Beers with Daves. We're doing this? We're doing this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beers with Daves. I am Dave. And I'm the other Dave, the right Dave. And uh, welcome. Uh, you can uh, yeah find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. But also, you know, we got other videos. You should watch those, too. You know what we need? We need like a like a channel intro montage. Okay. And then we can start uh, being cool like the rest of the YouTubers that have super cool channel intro mantras. All right. Well, that you can take that one on. All right. I'll take that one on. You, you do all the techie stuff, all the work, and then I continue just buying the beer. I'm okay with that, actually. That's, that's, that's fine. Okay. So are we talking about uh, the topics or what we're drinking? Okay. We're going to talk about uh, the topics uh, here. We actually have some, uh, some people providing <laughs> some topics for the day. Uh, and so we'll just we'll just. Uh, uh, it's our first time getting topics. It is our first time getting topics. Actually, it's not, but it's the first time somebody commented on it. Okay, uh, so a couple of things that people want us to talk about is uh, you should have special guests appear on your podcast interview. Not happening today. Uh, you talk about your daily routine at work. Uh, do you take lunch breaks, etc., and how that kind of works when you're self-employed? How does vacation work? which I think is a super interesting topic because that's, that's not as easy as a lot of people think it is. Uh, how do you know when you need to hire an employee, which I also think is a pretty cool topic, and how to keep your staff happy. I think the easiest way to keep your staff happy, show up on time. What was that directed to me? Uh, yeah. Okay. I have ideas about how you can keep your staff happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So today, the beer that we got is uh, Alexander Keys. This yes. is a Halifax beer. It's probably one of the most famous ones in I, Halifax. I, I think that not only is it uh, the most famous one, I think this one most people would be well aware of because it's the pride of Nova Scotia. It says it? so on the bottle. Oh. Let me see. What else does it say on the bottle? It says, La Fierté de la Nouvelle Ecosse. Ooh. <laughs> That was sexy. Yeah. Okay, let's pour this. I'm not doing the stupid one. <laughs> hey, you know what I found out? That uh, if you say the word coronavirus, which, by the way, I just did, uh, you can't advertise on Google. Why did you say it? <laughs> well, because I think it's stupid. Because you think you're a rebel? <laughs> yeah, yeah rebel without pl- a co- I'm a rebel without a cause. No, you have a cause. You're the anti-masker. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, people need context for that one. Go watch our video on our uh, COVID thoughts, I think it is. That's what it's called. Sweet, my man. No. <laughs> I like Keith. I actually like Keith's Red. Keith's Red's really, really good. Yeah, I think I like Keith's Red, too. Yeah, actually, uh, any of the red beers are pretty on point. Rickard's okay. Red's my favorite. Yeah, well, if you ever buy the beer, you can choose. <laughs> Until then, I'll go to the liquor store closest to our office, and there's a very limited selection. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, just so you know that this has uh, full color, about three-quarter body, and uh, about three-quarter aroma. Mm. Yeah. I wonder how they gauge these. Like the aroma? Yeah. I think it's just a guy. This is making up fractions. Which is kind of how I talk a lot. I make up statistics all the time. Well, yeah, sure. I'll be like, 70% of the time, I do this 30% of the time. And they're like, what? Yeah. I was like, it, it, it checks out. It, it works. It works. Okay, let's, uh, let's uh, get uh, on to this. So uh, do you want to talk about our daily routines at work? Do we, sure. Does anyone even care? It's a topic. We can't not do topics. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so daily routine at work. Yeah. Uh, I come in. Uh, my, I have no routine. <laughs> Not a single routine. No, your your life is uh, just <laughs> constant chaos, yes. So, uh, yeah, I come in. Uh, first thing I do is I talk to my team. Yep. say hi. I kind of do a rundown. I look at the board to see what's going on. Yep. 
and then I go give me some tasks, and then give me some tasks, and then I go in my office, and I sometimes do them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the most accurate rendition. Uh, you probably leave your office a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes I need to poo. Yeah. You often end up in my office. Yeah. And we get nothing done. Yeah. We just chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is actually how we came up with this idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know what other idea? Remember when we came up with that app? Oh, yeah. I don't want to. We can't go into too much detail about it. But, no, we um, can't. But Dave and I. Um, just um, saying, no, that's happening in the next couple of weeks. Dave and I decided we we're going to do an app together. And then at one point, uh, after we've done nothing towards the app, Dave decided that for I like was. For like a year. He, yeah, for a year <laughs> of us doing nothing, he decided that I was a freeloader. Yeah. Not contributing. Yeah. And he's like, I'll give you 10%. 20. Of a, an app that doesn't exist yet. 20%. 20. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like twenty percent of nothing. And then my reaction, I was like, you know what, whatever, man. If you don't want me in it, I don't care. And you're like, Dave, it's fine. And then I said something <laughs> that I have never been able to take back. He was like, Dave, do you want to do it or want not? And I said, I want you to want me. <laughs> and his reaction was, Dave, oh my god. <laughs> That's too funny, man. Yeah. yeah. That, so that really did happen for everybody that's listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, it's exciting the app's going to start. <laughs> okay. Uh, my routine, uh, typically wake up five between 5 and 6. Uh, at home, at work rather, by like quarter after 7, 7.30 every morning. And then I work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do you find your work now versus when I'm... I don't want to met you. Yeah, yeah a big difference. My roles kind of changed, though, right? Like yeah. when, when I first started, it was very much me meeting everybody, doing the actual in work, I guess, if you want to call it that way. Uh, now the work that I do is much higher level planning. It's more strategic stuff, more management stuff, more managing people, HR, and all that. So it's um, it's not the same. So my workloads from like a calendar perspective is much less intensive as it was in the past. Yeah, so just to kind of put a stage on it, I went into Dave's office randomly today, and he was watching YouTube. Well, okay, so. I just want to I just want to throw this out there. You brought us lunch, you left the room, and while you left the room, I turned on YouTube. No, I left that part out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I was randomly just sitting there watching YouTube. Uh, we were having lunch. <laughs> All right, so on the lunch part, that was the topic. Do yeah. you take lunch? Uh, yeah, like 5, 10, 15 minutes like. Yeah. Unless it's like a work lunch. If it's a work lunch, I'll go out and eat and do that type of thing. But typically, I have my little frozen lunch and uh, I just chow down. I don't. I eat lunch maybe fifty percent of the time. Yeah, I, I skip lunch all the time. So I just kind of like forget. I don't. I've never had like a schedule. This is when I eat. Yeah. Um, and I'm also kind of like a snacker, I guess, during the day. So maybe that does count. Like I have oatmeal, like these little oatmeal packages underneath my desk. So when I first started, I had no money. I was bad at my job. And I remember Derek and I uh, had our offices in Truro. Yeah. And he was also in the same boat. Uh, so what we ate is we just had a big Costco thing of oatmeal. We had... Um, you still do that to this day, though. Yeah. You? We yeah. had instant coffee. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was what we lived off of. And I will probably do it to the to the day I die. Yeah. Just have the... I got the Keurig. You put nothing in it. It just spits out hot water. I make the oatmeal in a mug. And I did it this morning. Wow. Yeah. So I don't I don't think I'll ever get fancier than that part. And then I I've here then we go out to eat and then <laughs> that's when we spend too much money. Yeah, it's uh it's kind of silly. Yeah. It's not that silly though. But lunch is um I don't know. I've never like 
what, what people think of lunch, you know, you take an hour at lunch and you go do your thing. The you might as well go home earlier or le- show up later than I think take an hour during your day. Yeah, and I think we're both like this where I don't think we necessarily need to have breaks in the day in order to be productive. Like a lot of people and they say this, I don't know how true it is, right? But a lot of people are like, "Oh, I need that time to, you know, decompress because I had a busy morning or whatever," right? I don't I don't I don't feel like I ever need that. So I agree if somebody put in the time and the effort and actually got the work done uh, and doesn't need to eat lunch, yeah, just leave a little earlier or start a little later. Yeah, cuz st- or 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 work more. <laughs> yeah. Which as a business owner is just the what you typically do, I think. Totally. Yeah. Because what you put in is what you're getting out of it. So yeah, like you don't I, want to sit in the office. It's not very fun. I don't know, you might not agree with this. Sitting in my office isn't the funnest thing to do in the world. So, like, um, I would much rather do other things than just sit in my office and not work. Well, okay. So, this is the thing is that, like, I enjoy working. And so, being in my office working is fun. But, you know, me eating lunch in my office and not doing anything except just being in my office. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, talk about the most boring thing in the world, just sitting there looking at the walls. Yeah. So, to do that for an hour every day on purpose just oh. doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> no. just like... Oh, this is nice. Yeah, yeah. Decompressing. I'm like, let's look out the window. I'm like, that's a nice parking lot. (laughs) Or me, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, you're 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 100 right. I I don't know. I find uh, I find lunch hours really, really, really annoying too. Um, like I've got my team set up in such a manner where there's always somebody available, pretty much all the time. Right? They've got staggered lunches and everything like that. Um, it drives me nuts when 12 o'clock comes around and i call a business and they're like oh yeah sorry we're we're closed for lunch are you kidding me just like get someone to monitor the phones or something especially because that's when people are available to talk this is you're gonna get clients you're gonna lose business yeah absolutely right but there's a little bit of like we earned the break type of thing like you know this is our breaks we've earned it and i and i i have a little bit of trouble with that um just because it's just not my natural instinct Mm mm-hmm to say I earned it. My natural instinct is like, okay, I hit my sales targets. Okay, let's do more. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've talked about this on the podcast too, I believe. It's always about where our goalpost is, right? And they're always moving further and further and further ahead. Um, yeah, yeah, no. So lunches, very little. Um, even breakfast, breakfast I don't really do much of. Really, I just wake up, hang out for a bit, do all the kids stuff that needs to get done, and then... I started making breakfast recently, um, and it's kind of nice. But like today, for instance, I woke up, I, I got ready, and I got in the car, and I was driving to work, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot to eat." Yeah, yeah. It's just because I'm just used to just like, all right, what do you got to do to get out of the house? Because I typically wake up at six thirty. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit later than you, but I, I I go to sleep much later than you. I think M- much later. Yeah, the sleep that I gain, that I <laughs> like, rather the time I'm not awake. I go to bed at eight thirty. I'm just gonna leave that. <laughs> <laughs> I go to bed around 12. Okay, so this is my whole life. Let's talk about my whole daily schedule, all right? I wake up between 5 and 6. I'm at the office 7.15, 7.30-ish most days, uh, 9 out of 10 days. Uh, I go home anywhere from like 4.30 to 5, um, do kid stuff. The kid goes to bed at like 6, 6.30 now, uh, and then I go to bed at 8.30. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah. I think I run on a lot less sleep than you. Yeah, you also run on a lot more personal time than I do. Yeah. I've got like maybe three hours. 
You're choosing that. I'll go. Absolutely. Everything that I do is a choice. I'm yeah. very well aware of it. Yeah. yeah. What's another one? Oh, man. You're trying to like n- nail through these. Just because you're late today doesn't mean we're not doing the full hour. I had to do a lot of shopping today. Just to and be clear. And my team's got a big list of stuff just that to, I need to do. Just to be clear. So. Okay. This is scheduled. This was scheduled well in advance. Okay. We can't just keep having big, long silences. Well, well in advance. I'm taking and then, a nice and sip of the slow <laughs> drink. Yeah, because I got to keep That's us going. That's great for the audio podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Like uh, the way you stop talking, they think that something will happen to their phone. No, no, no. Yes, no, no. the guy's. So- <laughs> <laughs> but then they hear that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that? The people that like that sensory. Oh, the thing? ASMR stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can do some of that. It's weird, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Uh, how does vacation work when you're self employed? It doesn't. <laughs> okay. So I just want to talk about the logistics of vacation because I think that. Okay. So talking about myself, for example. I typically try to plan vacations to also involve work, right? So there's conferences to go to and all this type of stuff. And typically you're having to go a day or two before just because of scheduling and all this type of stuff. And then you have to stay either a day or two after again, just because of scheduling and plane tickets and all this type of garbage, right? Um, And so typically speaking, we'll take advantage of that. And, you know, if the conference is a four-hour conference, you know, you go spend the other day exploring the city and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So historically, that's the way we've always done um, vacationing at least ever since I've been self-employed. But here's the thing that people don't really understand about taking the traditional like getaway and do nothing, no work, nothing like that, right? Let's let's envision this business, okay? Let's envision this business where uh, a uh, an individual makes say twenty thousand dollars a month, okay? Sure. Uh, and think about it in and I'm I'm kind of past this stage in business, but you might still be in it where you are the main earner in the business, right? Mm-hmm. And so you decide, I want to take a week off of work. <laughs> Which I tried to three three or four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't fail because of of, <laughs> of work, though. <laughs> yeah. It failed because of chaos. <laughs> Total chaos. But anyway, so you, you got 20,000. For simple math's sake, we're going to take 20,000 divided by four weeks, okay? So now, you're not working, you're now down $5,000 in revenue plus the cost of the trip and your whole staff's still working because you're not just going to shut down everything. You could, theoretically, but you're not. So now to take that vacation costs an absolute fortune. Yeah, and, and then the concept of, you know what, take a vacation, you earned it, go relax, go decompress, and you're like, no, nah, this has cost me seven grand. Yeah. I'd much rather like not do it, and then maybe I'll, you know, I'll go for a hike on a Saturday. Mm. <laughs> or like, it's much easier to take Fridays off, for instance, than it is to take a whole week off. Yeah, because things aren't going to crumple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and that's kind of what Robin and I tried to start doing is, like this weekend, we're taking half a day off tomorrow, then we get the long weekend, and we're going to go and take a trip and, and stay in Nova Scotia. Um, but it'd be a good three and a half days of, of getting away, and it doesn't impact the work cycle at all. So I, I agree. When you said getting away. Is that getting away from me? Like, am I not supposed to call you? Yeah. Okay. I think you're going to call me every morning. Probably. Dave, I'm on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? You're like, Rob and I are laying in bed. Yeah, yeah, trying <laughs> to get some emails done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, 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 this really, uh, it's this really hard thing to, to grasp. And, and like in my world, uh, if Robin takes time off, we now have to hire somebody to replace her. So she works the front desk at the business center, and you have to replace her for the day. Yeah. Right. So now, okay, you've got say if you want to go stay in a hotel. Okay, you got the hotel. It's one hundred fifty bucks. Well, I got to hire somebody for the whole day. That's another, you know, one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars depending on 
who it is, the rate, and all that type of stuff, okay? Uh, and you haven't even like eaten or anything like that, and you're yeah. immediately starting at like three hundred dollars, yeah, right, a day, and that's not including lost revenue for for me being away. And it's a little different now. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there, like right? Efficiencies might be less. Oh, absolutely, right? Yeah. People leaving early because the boss is not there, all that type of stuff. Like it yeah. doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but all of that cuts into productivity and efficiencies and profitability and everything. And it's not that vacations. Like I, I very much want to get to a stage where I can take vacations. Yeah. Um, but you, you almost need to, you almost need to really ramp up the week before, kill it, just like work your butt off the week before so you can like kind of go downhill the week after. So it's like the funny thing that personally, because yeah. you're right, I, I am the main income earner of my business. Yeah. So when I stop, um, things stop to a degree. Um, so the funny thing about vacations are like, let's just say taking a Friday off is that the Thursday beforehand, I would work my butt off and I would yeah. answer emails like late night until like midnight yeah, so yeah. I could relax. So it's, it's like, it's almost, for me, it's probably better official to, uh, more beneficial to, um, you know, not try to crush it on a Thursday so I can not work on a Friday and just do two normal days. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but I mean, really, like even if you were to absolutely kill it, the, the fact remains that if you were in the office, you'd be generating revenue. Right, it's an opportunity cost, and so no matter what, you're still you're still behind that that revenue that you would have otherwise earned. It's funny though; I have a certain like gear I can kick into when I think I need to. Oh yeah, no, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's insane. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, something's happening. Okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I wish, I really wish, I could somehow just do that consistently. I don't know why I have to be triggered by things to like do this next level working. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. It's a uh, it's hard to stay motivated sometimes, right? And and things motivate different things motivate different. I'm people. very motivated by fear. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you, so if I think that something's going wrong, or there's not my targets aren't getting hit, or something like that, I just start working, 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 and then I can I can really just come up with sales typically in a day. Yeah, totally. And then uh, and then you're like, oh, okay, that feels nice, and you're like, oh, I really wish I I gotta do that again tomorrow. And next tomorrow, you're like, I'm gonna listen to some music. <laughs> yeah, but there's also this, uh, and I'm not saying this is necessarily your situation, but there's obviously a little bit to it, right? <clears throat> there comes a point in business where, uh, and this is where every business kind of learns itself, right? Where you know you ramp up your book, you ramp up your pipeline, if you want to use the technical terms, right? You get it filled, and then you're so busy servicing, you know, the end of the pipeline that. You're not filling up the top of it, and the next thing you realize, you have nothing coming in because you've been servicing everything. And that's kind of uh, uh, actually that's a really really good segue into um, where was that? When to hire staff, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, at a certain point in time, these ebbs and these flows are what causes people to get discouraged, get you know, unmotivated, bad reviews, bad reviews you know, um, potentially even falter in business because when they're really really high, they might make decisions. That are based on those really really high numbers, but you know that really high number really isn't the real number. It's kind mm-hmm. of somewhere in the middle, right? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, you need to be very. You need to have processes in place and structure. Mm-hmm. So, like, totally. So you, you're right. You can get caught up. So for me, um, for me, a sale. I make a sale. I get paid it the next month. Yes. Um, so, so me getting paid a, a good amount of money. And just to be clear, your sale occurs after you've done every single piece of work ever. Yeah, so I do every single <laughs> thing until it's done. Yeah, and then I get paid a month after. Yeah. 
So when I'm the month I'm getting paid very well is for work that I've done beforehand. The month that I might be killing it for sales, I might not be getting that much money that mm-hmm. month. So yeah, the fun the, the thing that happens is you you just kind of you're like oh I'm making a, a good amount of money, and uh, and then you know, this is good. All right, maybe I'm going to take that Friday off. This is great. And then the month after, you're like oh where's where's my sales? Where's all my money? Yeah. But it's because I was kind of on that flying high on that cloud. Yeah, and you stop doing the activities. So that's why now I structure it that I do so much networking. I do regardless of what's happening. But you wouldn't be able to do any of that stuff with the staff. Yeah. So then, yeah. So that was when me and you dis- discussed about whether or not I should hire a staff member. Yeah. And uh, and it was definitely the one of the scariest and best things we've ever done. Yeah, I agree. But it, it was something that I I knew mathematically that it would work, but I don't. I was not where I wanted to be to do it. I just knew that if I did it, it should have worked out. Yeah, I mean, like you, this. This is what I think a lot of people don't realize about business owners um, is that when businesses start up, like you think about a business making money, right? Like right now, say for example, if I make an extra thousand dollars in my business, let's say um, the majority of that thousand dollars comes to me. Same with you, right? But when you start up. Um, you've got your own life to pay for and you've got the business expenses to pay for. So that, that $1,000 might only be worth, you know, a hundred bucks. Right. And, and so there's almost kind of like this, this, um, well, it's economy of scale that ends up kind of building up over time. The, the more staff you have, the more profitability you're able to make out of that, that, that sale because you don't have to pay for all the overhead you're already paying for. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people aren't aware that, you know, Say you're starting out, right? And you're making a hundred grand a year. Okay. Well, yeah, great, absolutely great salary, but it might cost you fifty thousand to make that hundred thousand. And so you're bringing home fifty thousand. Um, and you know that if you hire that next staff member, well, it they'll earn you a hundred and fifty thousand, but they'll cost you fifty. Well, here's the problem. If you're making a hundred, you're spending fifty, you need fifty to live on. Where's that fifty come from? Yeah. Right, like that's the big equation that ends up occurring, and it's it's you know you know the math makes sense, but the money's just not there, right? Yeah, and then in my situation, I just kind of did the leap anyway. Um, yeah, with a lot of encouraging from you, actually. Yeah, um, but it was uh, no, it, it worked out, but it, and it, it doubled my sales, and um, my, my I doubled my company after I hired my first staff member. Yeah, and I think it happened in like two months. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was it was insane, right? Because I I find, and I know you're like this. Absolutely, we're the same in this regard. Is we don't like doing the things we don't like to do, and when we don't like to do it, we procrastinate on it, and it yeah. sits there, right? Um, so like, I I hate the paperwork side of the business. I hate the prospecting side of the business. I don't necessarily mean networking, although I'm not the best networker, but. Um, you know, calling people and booking people in for appointments and stuff like that. I despise that. So I would actively try not to do it and find every excuse not to do it, which sounds stupid right now when you're talking about it. But at the time you think, oh, I'm super busy. I can't get to it. Right. Yeah. I never knew how, <laughs> how busy I was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Cause you're probably doing now, like probably triple, quadruple the volume you were doing at the time way back then. Yeah. Right. Maybe 10 times. Like it, it's yeah. like, it's not comparable. Right. And, yeah. and you're still getting it done. And it's not like you've 10 times your, your staff base. No, no, you just implement systems. And I think a lot of people like, uh, how would you define a system? 
like a process, like a, something that someone has to do the same way every time. Can you can you give an example? Okay, um, so um, we get a applications get sent to us. Um, first thing that happens is uh, my team opens it up, sees if anything's missing, uh, contacts the client, gets any missing information, preps it, puts it in front of me. Yeah, absolutely, right. Um, that saves me so much time. Oh, it, it, it's insane, right? And I think a lot of I think a lot of even new business owners think that systems have to be these big, crazy, complex systems. But that's literally like a three line thing, and it sounds like common sense when you when you know it. Um, and this is what I found as I, I grew from one staff, two staff, three staff, et cetera, was what seems really simple at first that you should just know, of course, you should just look at the application. Of course, it should go on your desk, right? Uh, it's not so common sense when you start having people and more hands get into the mix and stuff, right? The problem with having a team that's been kind of a thing for me is that I can accomplish a lot with a team in two hours. Yeah. So there's sometimes this thing where it's a little bit hard uh, to motivate yourself and motivate rest. yourself to work the full eight hour day. Sure, when they're consolidating things into lists and all that different stuff, which I know is stupid. Sure, because I could spend that time uh, looking at the CRM more. I could spend that time looking at social media. I could spend that time totally. recording a video, and like I could really spend that time doing stuff. Yeah, I used to do a lot of drop ins. I haven't done drop ins a lot because of COVID. Um, there but, we go. There goes our ads. Oh. Um, Movid, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I I can do other just type of networking drop in. I can make a phone call. Like I can do things. Yeah. So it, sometimes you get a little spoiled. Uh, absolutely. Like I, I don't know what I would do without my team now. Right. Um, well, because can you uh, go? Can you imagine going back to working your ten hour days? Oh no, that'd be intense now. Yeah. Yeah, that would be intense now, right? Um, was it ten or was it more? Left house at six and got home at nine, so more, man. Yeah, it was. It was long, long days, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah. So fifteen hour days. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It was fun. Now, how productive? The question is, is like, how productive are you in those fifteen hours? Yeah, I certainly think I was more productive in my fifteen hours than you would have been. Son of a bitch. <laughs> But I never, uh, I never got to fifteen hours. <laughs> but you know, it, it, the question still remains, right? And, and talk about like destroying your body. I just remember, especially like my first two years, it would be like, okay, uh, waking up, go buy breakfast, go buy lunch because I didn't pack a lunch, and then like I'd have a some meeting at like eight o'clock at like a, a partner's office, and it would be, uh, you know, I'd stop at you know Burger King and, and pick up myself a burger. Yeah, and that was uh, like three four days a week. Yeah. So how do you so how do you find the health element of it all? Well, the truth is, I, I it's not that I don't care about the health. I just don't care about the health more than I care about my business, my team, and my family. Right? Um, yeah. You've been making big steps towards the health side of it. Yeah. Yeah. T- like TV dinner aside. Yeah, but I I don't actually think my TV dinners are, are that bad. That's a debate for another day. That can be yeah. our next topic. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't work out. Yeah. I don't work out. Try to eat a little bit better. So why don't you work out? Like it, uh, I went. I worked out at your house the other day. Yeah, uh, did it in what three minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it doesn't take long. Yeah, I don't like cardio. I didn't do cardio. Mm, okay. Why? Because I worked in it like quickly. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You can take ten minutes. It doesn't take long <laughs> to exercise. Okay. So, like, let's just say you wanted to do twenty push-ups, ten pull-ups. Uh, and then uh, maybe some shrugs or rows with the bar or something you got. Okay. So here's the thing is that I used to powerlift, and I used to love powerlifting. Yeah, and I don't I, care anything about that. 
Oh, I understand this. You do the 20 push-ups, you do the 10 pull-ups, and you do some rows or something. Okay? Yeah. All right. It would take uh, 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'd get traps like a yeah, like a god. Yeah, why wouldn't you god. do it? it? Takes no time at all, and then it, it makes you feel good. The endorphins get like they make you feel good. Yeah, I know. You should start doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, <laughs> it takes no time. <laughs> this guy, this guy it, the it other has day. to make you feel good. This, like, this guy the other day texted me, uh, and it's a like a business associate that I know, and uh, he's like, "Hey, Dave, you should uh, come down to my buddy's gym." And I'm like, "Yeah, man." Uh, no. <laughs> and every time I see him, he's like, yeah, so you coming down to the gym? I'm like, eh, no. <laughs> it's kind of rude for him to keep mentioning it. No, man, he's persistent. It's great. Yeah. Persistence is fine as long no, as it's, it's just done No, okay. it's just the why he brings it up. Oh, yeah. It's because of this stuff right here, man. <laughs> the Timon and Pumbaa song there. Uh, but no, exercise has been probably the biggest like thing that, uh, I don't know, gets me kind of motivated or pumped up or... You know what it is? It's that in, and, and it's a choice, and I'm very well aware that it's a choice, right? But in the very little time that I have in the evenings and in the morning, I don't want to. Yeah, but do you think it would put you in a better mood, more awake, more ready sure. to do a little exercise? I'm sure it, it would. It might make you more productive. I'm sure it would. Yeah. Maybe. Right? Make you less fidgety with your Rubik's Cube. No, no, that'll never go away, man. This has been a common trend yeah. forever. Actually, uh, army time story, woohoo. Um, so we, uh, when I was on my trades course training in the military, you, um, you like my course was six months long and you were living in modular units, I guess, and they're mm-hmm. like stacked on top of one each other. Mm-hmm. And I used to um, listen to music on my laptop um, with headphones in and I would constantly be tapping my foot. But even this little tapping motion that I'm making with my foot down now would creak the walls. Yeah. What, you said people complained? Oh. Oh. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why I'm your first friend? Yeah. Yeah. It's because the concrete floors, they don't transmit. All right. So, Dev. Yeah. All right. So, how did we become friends? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But we met you at a, net- I met you at a networking event. You forced me. Why did, it, why did somehow it get forced? Because uh, you were like, hey, uh, come to my party. And I'm like, uh, and you're like, yeah, it's going to be great. We'll see you there. Was that the poker night? Yes. Yeah. I remember the poker night. Because you showed up. You wore a shirt that said Navy or Army or something. Because I don't know. It's just what you wore. It's because I don't have many clothes. Okay. <laughs> I've got. I've got. Before I've, I bought you that T-shirt you wear. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I remember uh, taking you like very seriously. Okay. Because there was like a Rise Against song called like Hero of War or whatever. And it was like kind of like shitting on war a little bit. And then it kept like playing. And I was like, Dave, are you okay with this? Because I didn't know if you'd been through some stuff or something. Yeah. And you were like, whatever, man. Just let me just <laughs> sip on my like Mike's Hard. <laughs> it wasn't Mike's Hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I brought uh, bought uh, the Barking Squirrel that time. Yeah. Which is delicious. We should drink that okay, here. We could yeah, because that. that's such a good beer. I don't know if it's local, but it's really good. Okay, but but okay, but knowing you, you don't like doing things. Mm-hmm. So I say, come to my party. You yeah. come. Yeah. Why are we friends? Uh, is, did I start calling you? Or do you start calling me? Like when did when did this all happen? I don't know. We just started calling each other. Oh, just simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Good, yeah. Man. It's not the only thing we did simultaneously. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just started chatting with uh, each other, and uh, and then as they say, the rest is history. Oh, I'm trying to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, uh, Dave was, uh, uh, you know what it is? Is uh, you can tell the whole story. What you thought about me? What I really was? You can do the whole thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> so when I first met Dave, so you got to understand, okay? When I left the military, you think of self-employed people in the military as like making it, right? Because most of the self-employed people, not that you weren't making it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> but <laughs> most most uh, people that you meet that are self-employed in the military that are working on contracts and stuff with the military are like, you know, multi-million dollar companies and stuff like that, Right. And so I get out of the military, and I have a very, very skewed mind of what business is. That's when I wore all my suits. That's when I wore my shirts and ties. And uh, I would go to all the networking events, and I would basically be like, that we found out now. But most people are very awkward, except this one guy. And he comes in in this blue shirt, looking flashy <laughs> and uh, looking like he owns the place. And, um, and then he's just like spitting out like good info. Right. And uh, he's like, okay, you know, we do this like a separate networking group. It's like, it's exclusive. And <laughs> my breakfast club. <laughs> <laughs> it was, man. It was a good networking group, too. You know, what's funny about that is I think everybody in that networking group, except for two people, are still in business doing really well. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, so I meet him, uh, and, uh, my buddy Josh, uh, and, uh, and yeah. And I was like, oh, man, these guys are like big, big deals, big, big deals. I was probably making like forty grand a year, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's when you're doing like one or two mortgages a month. Yeah, yeah, and you were killing it. Yeah, <laughs> before I actually did a budget. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just always good at networking. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and I, I, I like that element of it. But I remember. Um, so, how long ago? How long after we met? Yeah, did we uh, try to go into business together? Not not actually buy the property, but when we just started looking at it with Ben and stuff. Six months, maybe? Yeah, so Dave, I don't know, you called me your day drinking or something, like you do every day. <laughs> uh, I just call every day, I go, Dave, please stop, you have a family. <laughs> uh, then uh, we were started going through Viewpoint. It was, a time, it was a time in the housing market where we live where there was just a lot on the market. And nothing was selling. Nothing was selling. It was a lot of market, and it was yeah. at cheap prices. It just doesn't. That doesn't exist right now. But it very much did then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that was fun. That was interesting because I used to be adamantly against real estate. Yeah. Like adamantly against it. I thought it was stupid. Um, and it's before I really understood this whole concept of cash on cash return. Um, and uh, yeah, it's still not perfect. Mm, <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, it can be like if. if if there's the right parameters, it's an amazing concept. But there's many ways to try to force property investments, and it sucks. Oh, yeah. But we've learned that. Like, And this is one thing that, that I think that we excel at, is that we will very quickly come up with ideas, think they're the best idea in the world, and then just as quickly, <laughs> if not faster, write them off. Yeah, we're like, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to buy a bubblegum machine. It's going to yeah. be the best bubblegum machine in the world. And you're like, where are we going to get it? And I was like, I don't know. And you're like, we look it up. We're like, we got to get it online. We're like, well, that's going to take too long. Yeah, yeah we're like, it's over. <laughs> I think, Never again. I think there was one time where we were like, yeah, okay, we got to put an offer on this property. We call up the real estate agent, who was Josh. Uh, <laughs> and we're like, Josh, I need to write a, an offer on this property. And uh, I think like 20 minutes later, we're like, nah, shit. <laughs> yeah, he sends us the thing to sign to put the offer in. And we're like, we don't want it. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, I, and and I, I think that I think we have saved ourselves more often with that method than we have ever screwed ourselves over. And when we have screwed ourselves over, I don't think that we're as 
we were as screwed as like it, it's not like it goes down to flames. I oh, know one of the solar companies is killing it right now. Okay, the solar thing. I just didn't get it. Yeah, that's fine. I didn't get it, and I had a bad attitude about it, and I ruined it for us. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. No, we actually we actually pitched it to him, and he chose not to. I think. Yeah, well, like it didn't make sense for him to do it. Yeah, like he I th- he was coming to us out of desperation. And he had a better alternative. Yeah. So why would he? Why would he take our money? Yeah, because I knew I was kind of like, but I think I was full on board, and we tried to pitch it to him. Yeah. 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 But um, like, he just had a better deal elsewhere, right? Like. Uh, so, um, anyways, the uh, <laughs> the thing about business um, owners that I think is funny: a lot of my friends are business owners, or at some point they were entrepreneurs. They yeah. might not be anymore, uh, but they are. And there's something that I just love, and I'm kind of a, I'm kind of attracted to this type of person that has tried sales. <laughs> sure, doesn't necessarily have to mean it goes well, uh, but it's just like it's just fun to talk about. Okay, what did you do? Like, what did you? How did it work to get clients? What did you not like? That type of stuff. I just like that entrepreneurial person. But you, you know what's specific about sales specifically? Whatever uh, is that. It's a game of continual improvement, mm-hmm. right? It's very much self-reflection. Okay, I did this, this happened, and I've done this 100 times, and this has happened 100 times, so I know it's statistically viable. Okay, I'm going to tweak this the next time I say it, see what the results are, and then you're constantly just improving incrementally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that mindset is very healthy. Yeah, and that mindset's healthy for every part of your life, Everything, too. yeah. Yeah, you got to not be afraid to be wrong. But you also have to have confidence in your ability to like kind of make decisions and problem solve. Totally. And that's a weird combo sometimes because you need to, like me, I'm f- very confident that I can make decisions. Yeah. Uh, but I ask for a lot of opinions. Sure. And then I put it through my own. <laughs> and yeah. then I come up with something. I don't just take people's opinions for just, okay, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love hearing, I love talking things out with people, hearing it. Yeah. And I might, uh, I might think they're all wrong. Uh, but that's just part of my problem-solving part. Okay, what, what what do you think? Well, I think this is wrong for this reason. I'm like, okay, no, but I have a reason why that doesn't apply. And you just kind of you got to go through it. You got to play it play it out with people. Doing that by myself is a lot harder. Well, you lead yourself to stupid answers, right? When, when you get caught on things too, like you just don't. Sometimes it's so simple. Like we were trying to buy a property. Yeah, everything was good. Everything was good. Everything was good. And then a realtor said, "Did you do a septic inspection?" It's just simple. Hey, did you do a septic inspection? We're like, oh, no. And then we did it. And then the septic was a barrel. <laughs> it was just a barrel in the dirt. And we would have been screwed. And I don't know what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like you don't – you think you can know everything until you actually have the conversation with somebody. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be another business owner. It doesn't need to be a business coach. No, that's it right. It could be a friend, a family member. But you know what, what I have found? I have found out that I am more often wrong than I'm right. And that um, looking to people who've done it, like, for example, my head office, right? Looking to people who've done it and implementing suggestions that way has always proven to yield the results they say it will. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. And it might not necessarily be the results I want, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's their vision. Yeah, right? But, you know, if I look at like, hiring staff, for example, my my second consultant... I hired. Uh, I didn't think I was ready for it all, um, and they're like, "Yeah, just do it, and it and it'll work." It, it's just the math. Look, here's here it is, and they showed it to me. I'm like, "Eh, 
I think this is a shit idea, but <laughs> all right, let's go to town and yeah. uh, hired them, and it worked out great, right? But um, yeah, I think there's this whole learning from people who've done it, right? Well, um, sometimes I'm I'm very open to criticism, so I'm I'm quite aware of my flaws. Yeah, I'm not uh, I don't have any. <laughs> no, you are though. Um, so the <laughs> so many, so many, um, at least a bucket full. <laughs> Yeah, apparently very, one of them's day drinking. Very you know? full, yeah. I that might have been a problem three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, every morning. I'm like, Dave, why do you do this? And you're like, it makes the pain go away. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen, just so everybody knows. <laughs> it was this morning. Um, so, um, okay, what was I trying to say? What was my point? Criticism. You're accepting of criticism. Okay, it's very hard to see your faults sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. um, for instance, I have a kind of a tone of talking sometimes yep. where I can come off a little aggressive. I don't see it. It does. It just doesn't. I don't see it at all. Uh, sure. they're like, okay, no. And I'm like, okay, this is what you do and this and this and this. Okay. All right. You ready? Okay. Thank you. Bye. They're like, okay, that was a little aggressive. And I go, no, I'm just, just direct. I'm just to the point. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter what I think. It matters how I come across. Especially in a sales environment. Oh, buddy. Like, this this is a big topic, right? And this is kind of this whole thing of, you know, is the, is the, the customer always right, right? Uh, and I wholeheartedly believe that the customer always believes they're right. Yeah, in my industry, it's very hard for the customer to always be right. Sure. Because it's so tedious and such, such red tape. You're, you're completely right. Yeah. But they, they still believe they're right. And, and, and usually it's a byproduct of, of something not being explained, not necessarily correctly, because you've explained it a million times to a bunch of people. Um, but not necessarily in the way that that client understands. Yeah, and the minute that you have to defend yourself to, you're done. Yeah. Even, even if it's something yeah. small, like you, hey, uh, you didn't do this. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Then you repeat. Um, I'm not saying don't own up to things. You need to own up to things. Um, but the problem is you got to realize that um, language is a big thing. Totally. Um, so if you are sorry and you honestly think you did something wrong, okay. Um, but if you're saying the word sorry, because you think it's just the kind of the nice thing to do, but you don't think you're wrong in my experience, what you should do is, uh, explain why you're not wrong. Um, and the client is, uh, will do two things. Um, they're going to say, oh, okay. And they accept you and trust you as a professional. Yeah. Uh, or they're going to think you're an asshole. Yeah, um, but the, if they think you're an asshole, they they might think you're an idiot if you said, "Oh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> so it's like you, sometimes you think, "Oh, I lost a client. That's because I did something wrong." Now, sometimes when you lose a client, there's no keeping the client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you're you're 100 right there. It's it's it's. I I find sometimes that it's not worth it's not worth the potential battle. Like like for example, okay. So we just had uh, an individual who. Um, had a mix-up with the payment. Um, they had moved to payment way back in the day. Uh, it ended up getting rescheduled. Um, they forgot about it, right? Um, and it caused uh, it caused some issues on their end. And uh, they call us and they say, hey, you know, you like you took out a payment on an incorrect date. Now, this, this client has always been a good client, has always been fantastic, but was pretty agitated, most likely because there's something else in their life. And this is another thing too, right? Like, in your world, sometimes, probably more often, um, in my world, all the time, people are dealing with pretty damn stressful situations, right? 
And so it was a $25 issue. At the end of the day, am I really going to make a big stink about $25 and potentially piss someone off for the rest of the time and, and not get any more referrals from them or anything like this? It's like, no, I'll just eat the $25 charge, even though I know for a fact that we've done nothing wrong. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Yeah, but how did you position it? Did you position it like, oh, sorry, it was our fault. We won't let it happen again. Or is it you positioned it, I'm sorry that happened to you. Always. I will. I will. I will do, cover this and make it. Um, but yeah. did you admit fault or did you say, hey, I, I, I think. No, sorry, is, there's a misunderstanding. Yeah. That's basically it. I, I, it's never, I, unless it really is our fault, it's never, I'm sorry this happened. Yeah, because I'd much rather, right? Um, I'd much rather a client think that I'm an asshole than a client think I'm incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you might not like me, but you will know that I'm good at my job. Yeah. I'd, but much rather that. Yeah, that's that, that's that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And it's, and it's got me a long way because clients that sometimes okay, Dave's quite direct. They keep using me, so yeah. Uh, there, there's a part of it. Um, as much as I uh, like that I'm likable, and the client think I'm likable. Mm-hmm. Um, a likable guy that is incompetent is not going to keep a client. You yeah. need to you need to show confidence. You need to show that you know. You need to kind of argue if you think what they're saying is wrong. You need to really. Have a big stance on, on your knowledge. Yeah, you know, maybe this is something we can talk about too. I, I'm sure you've noticed this in your industry. Like, what is this whole thing about people just agreeing with people just because they want to get business? Like, I, I see this all the time in my industry of people being told, and it, mind you, it's kind of a he said, she said game. We're not playing footsies right now, okay? It's for later. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. What? What's the? Uh, you can't what? even think. He's so fl- Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My cheeks are getting rosy, and uh, <laughs> just, just the bottom cheeks. Yeah, yeah, it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like, why do you think people do that? Um, it, it's just it's it's easier. Oh yeah, totally. It's much easier to agree to a client and hope everything works out uh, than it is to ever tell look a client in the face and say, uh, "Yeah, um, you have a spending problem." Yeah, yeah. Like that is uh, some of the conversations that you have with people are uncomfortable. Yeah. But they're real. Yeah. So are you going to be the person that's going to help a client or are you going to be the person that's going to just try to slide it through? Sure. I am a big uh, believer in repeat business. Eventually, I want my job to to get easier. I don't want to just be in the hunt mode. Yeah. I've been in the hunt mode in my business for so long that I don't even know how to not be in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I hope that (laughs) eventually. Um, I can just kind of work on my own database and, and still hunt, but not to the you know degree that I do. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if you don't give good, valid advice that works, yep, your job's never going to get easier. And so you're, the, you're probably going to fail. Well, and this is what I always say to everybody: right is is I've built my whole business off of telling people the right advice the first time, so that in a year from now, when they're figuring and they're really thinking about what they've done, they're never going to think, "Oh shit, I could have done something better." Yeah, because you're. Um, from um, a salesperson perspective, kind of bad. I'm the worst. At being a salesperson. Yeah, the worst. But you're honest. Yeah. So it just shows that what everyone's saying, you know, always be closing all this different stuff. Yeah, it's horseshit. It it just doesn't work, I don't think, in this era. Yeah, you know what? I think it works in, like, the car industry. Yeah. Like, like oh, yeah, you know, this car isn't going to sit on this lot very long. You know, we, you know, $150 deposit, you'll get it here today. We'll, we'll secure it, no problem. You walk right into the office there, you see Billy, we'll, we'll help you get the best deal in the world. Oh, look, they came back financing $300. You said $350 of a payment. This is great. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the car industry is definitely different. The thing about uh, my industry, and I don't know, 
um, how this applies with you. Um, yeah. But it does a bit. Um, paperwork. Um, to get a mortgage, is going to take a month. Yeah. Maybe a month and a half. How long does it take for your client to give, do something with you? So, like, it's a little different because you sign people up. So, like. I'm getting paid pretty much at the onset. Yeah. So, it's okay. not, it's not, so, it's so not, I think it's a little different. It's not as big of a deal. It takes me a lot longer to get paid on a deal than you do. Yeah. Um, depends on anywhere from like six to, to 12 months. It just depends. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 they're committed financially up front. So, it's, it's actually very rare that somebody just stops the process. Yeah. In your world, I'm assuming they that. They stop the process all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and so you put all this work up front for, for no, okay, let's just talk about, no um, um, the financial advisor industry. Cause I think it's a very unique one. I think it's a very hard one to do. Sure. Um, life insurance. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if people know this, uh, when you sell life insurance, uh, financial advisors get paid a lot of money, but if you cancel it, it gets clawed back sometimes all the way, most of the time proportionally. Yeah. So you had it and sometimes it's two years. So some, you, you cancel it a year and they're going to claw back half of it or something like that. And financial advisors uh, get the money immediately. They sell the life insurance the next week, maybe two weeks after they get paid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's sometimes medical is delayed a little bit, but it's quick. Sure. Uh, so it's a very quick sale, and it's a it's a and you can have a clawback. So, very quick sale, very quick commission, very quick clawback. Yeah. Right. So here's something: somebody comes into your office, and you go, "Do you have life insurance?" And they go, "No." And you go, "Okay." Do you have a family? Yeah, I got two kids. And you go, "Okay." So what would happen to your kids if something ever happened to you? And they go, "I don't know." And you go, "Would you like it if something happened to you?" And because of that, now your kids are on the streets. They're on the streets. They just they're just wearing rags. It's raining. They don't have an umbrella because you didn't get life insurance. And they, and they go, "Oh my god!" And you go, "Yeah." And they go, "How much do we need?" And they go, "At least a million." And they go, okay, and they go sign here. And you go, all right. So they yeah. sign it. Person goes away. They go, okay, I got life insurance to protect my kid. They go and sleep on it. And they go, what? what? Okay, what did I even pay for? Yeah. How much is it a month? 150 bucks a month? Okay, well, all right. Like, uh, um, and then they have second thoughts. And then they do what clients do. And when a client does this, you can't go back. They cancel through email or they cancel on the phone. Mm-hmm. And when you, have a, when you force a sale... And then a client feels uncomfortable, cancels it in kind of a way that's not very like direct, like they're not coming in and doing it. Yep. The chances of you ever getting in front of that client again is slim. Is very is next to none. And I know that from experience. Well, because you've already ruined their trust in you. Yeah, you already ruined their trust. Yeah. Um, so, and then on the other side, you could spend uh, maybe another day with that client, go through a needs analysis, figure it out. Explain more what it is. Explain more that there's, you know, you can invest some of it and that can be income and all this stuff. You can just explain it more. Maybe sell them less insurance. Sure. Um, but then they're, um, they know it, they get it, they're comfortable with the payments. You did a budget maybe with them, so the payment's in there. That's a client you got. You get paid, you keep it. Yeah. Um, so from a sales perspective, in, our, in some of the financial industries, you can kind of force things, but it doesn't mean it works. It's uh, it's funny that because as you're going through that story, I had uh, I had an advisor once uh, tell my wife because when we went into the meeting, the conversation wasn't to to us; it was uh, to my wife and asking, "When David's an angel, what? How are you going to live?" And you're like, to be very clear, I'm not going to heaven. Yeah, I'm not religious at all. <laughs> I have a special place in the earth. <laughs> 
I will be turned into a tree. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's why I got the tattoo on my chest, man. It, it sprouts seeds. Yeah, what about the demon tattoo? You want? What was that one? I want to get a, a big demon on my stomach. Yeah, Robin hates that. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so how did that meeting go? Oh, they didn't get the sale. Yeah. Well, first of all, they were like, yeah, you can put 10 grand a month into this policy or something stupid like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Trying to say like a whole life thing? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. It was stupid. Um, but, but yeah, like... To some people, I'm sure that would work because Robin left there and was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's, oh, that's so true. Like, what, what are we going to do? I'm like, Robin, we already got a whole pile of insurance over here. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but th- I think, okay, so let's, let's be honest. Um, let's have a conversation about, uh, we're going to get like really technical here for a second. Sorry, everybody. No, that's okay. <laughs> You're apologizing to them and I'm saying it's okay for them. <laughs> okay, so... Um, the financial services industry in the past was primarily funded by three um, three main mechanisms. Well, let's let's call it yeah three main mechanisms. Okay, uh, there was what's known as sales charges, and that would be primarily on investments and stuff like that. What I'm visualizing what you're saying. Okay, make a pyramid. Okay, so uh, there's sales charges, um, and so typically speaking, that would be like if an uh, uh, a financial advisor brought on a bunch of money, they would get a percentage of that money, and mm-hmm. if the consumer, it, it could be charged multiple different ways, but typically speaking, it was either charged to the consumer upfront or um, at the end when they withdrew it, or um, uh, over a period of time where the the, the individual was locked in. Mm-hmm. It was very common for people just to like lock in the money because. At that point in time, nobody's really seeing the charge. Like the consumer's not seeing it come out of their account at all. And the advisor getting paid right up front. They get it paid by trailer fees, so ongoing commissions from the money that they have under management. Um, and then they get paid a commission based upon their sales. Uh, and so sometimes that's with, um, that's primarily like the insurance game, right? Um, from an amount of effort and work involved, advisors get paid a significant amount of money to sell insurance. Mm-hmm. Like a significant amount of money, um, especially compared to wealth. Oh, the investment it's, side. It's insane, yeah. right? Like the investment side is a very good long term thing. Yeah, but the, the, yeah, but insurance is what pays the bills. Absolutely. Like if you if you uh, if you compare two things, so somebody putting a thousand dollars a month into a whole life insurance policy and somebody putting a thousand dollars a month into an investment, that thousand dollars a month in the investment initially might be worth ten bucks a month, mm-hmm. maybe. That a thousand dollars in the insurance policy probably worth ten grand, mm-hmm. not a year, but up front, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so you got to think, you know, the new advisor that just comes out of university that uh, wasn't used to making any money, and they're told, "Hey, you can make ten dollars a month, or you can make ten grand." Yeah, right. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and and the problem with the financial services industry as it as it goes along is they're slowly but surely removing some of these other sales charges that can happen on money management, which um, in theory has a benefit for the consumer because they're not going to have to worry about you know having their money locked in and everything like this. But it now means is that there's such a huge barrier to entry to being a financial advisor. It's, it's, it's a massive, right? What do you, why do you mean entry barrier? Because, because now there's no money to be made unless you sell expensive insurance, yeah. right? But because or, of the or clawbacks. You, or you inherit a big book. Or you inherit a big book, yeah, yeah. but how often is that going to happen, right? Yeah. I, I would say less often than, than, than not, right? Yeah, it's funny you mention that because in my industry, the entry barrier is like next to nothing. Sure, yeah. right? And, and, and like I understand why the government and kind of the, the whole profession has is, is kind of gone along this way, 
But the truth of it is that back in the day, an advisor could come in, they could become, and, and this impacts the consumer too. The advisor comes in, they're helping all of their friends and family invest their money, um, and you, they would get paid up front and they'd be able to last, and you'll become an advisor, 10, 20, 30, 40-year advisor. Now the new advisors are going to come in and they have a choice. They can either you know, do wealth management where they have to basically work with people that have you know, 100 grand in the bank before it even becomes remotely profitable for them, mm-hmm. or they got to sell expensive insurance that, depending on how they sell it, is going to get clawed back, and then they're going to be out a whole bunch of money. Yeah, and the clawback thing, too, is a hard thing to prepare for because it's re- very hard to not spend the money that you make. Yeah. As a business owner, I think it's very hard to not be an optimist. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that's true. For me, it's very hard to not be an optimist. So Yeah. I don't ever – if I make a sale, I'm not thinking like, oh, that didn't work. Sure. Even if it hasn't closed yet. So I, I, I think in the financial industry, too, you get paid a $10,000 uh, power policy payment or something. Whatever, yeah. And you spend it. And then it gets clawed back, and you're you're screwed. Yeah, no, you're you're completely screwed, right? And and I think that that's a a big disservice because back in the day, like what's called a deferred sales charge, which is essentially where money typically gets locked in, uh, and the client never sees the charge unless they withdraw their money within a prescribed period of time. Um, you know, back in the day, if you brought in say fifty thousand dollars, your deferred sales charge would actually be a good income for the advisor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they've taken that away. So now the the, char, the advisor either has to do front-end or, or back-end loaded fees, and the consumers hate that because why would they ever want to get paid on that? So now they get paid basically on a trailer, on an ongoing commission, or they charge 1% of the amount of money under uh, management, which means you know uh, on $100,000, they're getting paid $1,000 a year, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the question is, how many people out there have $100,000 of investable assets? A whole lot less than the person that had a thousand dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that was profitable in the past. Yeah, right. So it's it's well, there's it's a big a big difference. It's yeah. big problems, man. The problem is there's a big push for transparency, and I think it's a good thing. Like you, transparency is important. Um, so if you the problem with the thing where you say client doesn't want to pay it up front or on the tail end, a little bit of that comes into the confidence of the person you're dealing with. Like I charge fees for stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I compl- but, but brokers don't charge fees a lot. Like they don't like it. They feel uncomfortable. They think clients aren't going to do it. I do my thing. I explain what I'm going to do, and I say, "Hey, this is a little different. So I'm going to charge a fee as well." Yeah, and the clients is okay, and then the, and it works. So some of that is a little bit of the confidence of you as a person. So I, I completely agree with that. But then the problem becomes that in today's marketplace, and I'm, I'm talking about investing specifically, okay? Yeah. Uh, in today's marketplace, you can go and find a robo-investor mm-hmm. that will charge you a fraction of what a typical advisor will will, will charge you. But the thing is, 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 and you've talked about it, you know, um, canceling by email, canceling by phone. It's a whole lot easier to hit withdraw all my money because I'm scared of the stock market or I want to buy a camper than calling up your advisor and say, hey, I want to make a withdrawal. And the advisor goes, oh, hey, yeah, great. Yeah, sure. What, what are you planning on doing? And they're going, oh, well, I'm just really scared my money's down or I want to go buy an RV. And the advisor goes, oh, wait, well, do you want to talk about that a bit more to make sure yeah. that makes sense for your long-term goals, which is literally the job that they're hired to do, right? Um, and I would bet that Maybe not in every instance, but probably in most instances, the clients would realize, oh, okay, actually, I'm going to keep my money invested, which is the financially smart thing to do. Yeah, I, I did that. Uh, my friend uh, Stu was uh, my advisor when he was still um, doing that. Yep. And uh, he had the money, and I needed it. I was having a bad month, and man, did I hate having, a call. having to call and explain to him that I needed this money. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, why? So what? Are you overspending? Because <laughs> Stu is a very direct man. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> funny guy. Um, but uh, yeah, that that definitely works. Versus, yeah, you're doing it online, and you can just do it while laying in bed on your phone. Right. Draw. And, and and the challenge with it is is that 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 kind of human emotional connection. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. We're booked till four thirty, buddy. I thought this started at three thirty. Just by the way, <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, but that's why I like I was a little unprepared because <laughs> I was there and I was in Walmart and it was just like this starts at three and I was like, oh no, <laughs> and I was so panicked being three minutes late because you're such a crazy person about lateness. I was three minutes late and I was like, I'm sorry. I won't happen again. I'm so sorry. I got a text. Uh, I'm late, and my response was, uh, 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 "It seems like that or something." No, it was clearly, oh, clearly. <laughs> but anyway, I think uh, I think that a lot of the regulation. I'm, I'm all for transparency. People have to know how people get paid, and the reason why it became an issue in the first place because people were hiding how they got paid, and people were surprised at the back end, and then they made a big fuss about it, which rightly so if they weren't mm-hmm. aware of it, uh, and then they complain about it, right? But the problem with it is, is now you're 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 basically creating an industry that's going to die, or that is going to exclusively uh, assist people that are already wealthy. Which I don't want to say aren't the people that need help. That's not what I'm trying to say. But now a whole segment of the population isn't going to be serviced in any capacity at all. Yeah, and that's a segment that I'm quite fond in helping. Yeah, too. So it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer on yeah, kind of giving good advice to everybody. Absolutely right, um, but, and, but but it, it doesn't pay the same way, and it doesn't it doesn't pay the same way, but it still pays in your instance, right? But you got to again, it, it, it pays for me in a different few ways too. Um, some of the some of the clients that are smaller paychecks, uh, some of them are lifelong, some of them refer business, some of them are, uh, comment on my Facebook posts, so like it, yeah, yeah, that make it worthwhile to do, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm never going to not turn someone. I'm never going to turn someone down because it's a small mortgage. Um, but uh, you'd be surprised how someone that other people don't really care about can be a lifelong client and make you way more money yeah, uh, no. than, than a one-time big sale. So I, I, that's a little sad thing about the finance industry is what, what you're talking like, Because in my industry, it's very common for people to say, I don't do mortgages under 100000 Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't do mortgages under 150. I don't do it under 200. Why? It's just not worth my time. Um, and, uh, and I've always been a kind of a units man. Yeah, yeah. Like if you compare me to other people, I might make the same amount of money, but I'm doing double the units or something. Yeah, yeah. Just because I, 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 so, but um, torture yourself. <laughs> well, it's just how I built my business. Yeah, totally. Um, but I don't know how well I would respect myself or how well my business would go if I was turning away good clients because their hosts weren't big enough. I don't know. No, I, I, absolutely right. But that that's almost being forced in the financial advisor industry because there just isn't money yeah I'm, I'm, yeah you're right? doing a 50 dollar uh, pack or whatever it's called to, to help investing with somebody yeah yeah you're getting paid pennies yeah absolutely right and and the whole goal is that you know if you make it five ten years you're gonna have a book that's paying you passive income that you could literally sit in your underwear and you know talk to people for an hour once a year and you, you you've done good right um, or in your case, like sit at home and daydream. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And you don't wear underwear. <laughs> no, I don't. Just Smurfs. Uh, just Smurfs. Uh, pajama pants. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like it just it just doesn't make sense, and I don't know why the changes are being made the way they are. And there's a lot of valid arguments that are being made, but they're being made by professionals 
who don't deal with the everyday person. They're being they're being influenced by advisors that are dealing with people that have a half million dollars in assets under management, and that's just not the norm. Yeah, and um, the, <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough because people want people want the best service, but they don't really care if people make money. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. th- that's the part of it too. Oh, you want to be my advisor? Great. I would love for you to come over, do my financial plan, all the different stuff. Oh, you want me to pay you a hundred dollars? No, thank you. Yeah, you, they want you to do it for free. Yeah, of course. My industry is kind of easy that way. Because uh, in, in in most cases of, uh, of what I sell, getting paid by the lender, right? I get paid by the lender, and I'm getting the lower rate and all this different stuff, and it's easy. So yeah. I don't always charge fees. Um, so that's a very easy conversation. I'm sure that there would be some people that I would be like, okay, I can do your mortgage. I'll send it to TD, and I'm like, I'm going to pay you, charge you a thousand bucks to do it, and they're going to go, no, thank you. I'll go right to TD, and yeah. they might even get a higher rate when they go there. But they would much rather take a higher rate from someone than ever pay somebody a flat fee. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's true because my whole industry is is like what I do. I charge a fee for my service and somebody could avoid that fee and go elsewhere, but they'll yeah. get a worse off result. Um, it's a whole lot more work, yeah. right? I think the you know the amount of people that call into you that actually end up getting a mortgage versus the amount of people that call into me that become a client is very skewed. In which direction? Uh, well, I have two people full time that are managing phones, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, no, I didn't mean I didn't mean volume. I meant um, conversion. Oh, oh, like you're probably what one out of four? It de- yeah, it depends what it is. Sure. But yeah, maybe one out of six or so. Yeah, right. Uh, mine would probably be one out of ten, one or two out of ten. So, how do you find the trust factor? So, a client calls you out of the blue. Yeah. Um, I always kind of joke that I start off a negative two. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Uh, how do you find the trust factor is when you're actually trying to, when you're pitching what you do and all that different stuff? Well, I, I work in a very unique industry in the sense that people don't think that what we do is possible. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that there's always a little bit of skepticism that comes out there. Um, but we brand ourselves under our national brand. Um, so I think there's a lot of strength and power there. You know, you type reviews for, for our company and you'll find 2,000 reviews. Like that, right? So I think it becomes a lot easier that way. Uh, but I think initially people think, yeah, this this can't be true. How can you help me with my debt? Yeah. You know, how can how can you help me reduce my debt um, by fifty percent, sixty percent, whatever it is? So what type of things that you find? You mentioned reviews that you do to build trust, kind of right away in that first phone call. Well, first of all, we treat people like humans. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing. I would say honestly, that's just the biggest thing. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Is that. I'm not. We're not here to judge people or their circumstances or where they were or where they want to go. Even it's about okay, like what what happened. Okay, we need to understand that. Okay, um, what's your situation and how can we fix it? Um, and you can do it. That's it. Yeah. Right. It's not. Uh, it's not rocket science. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but I think our whole the whole industry. Well, first of all, the whole industry on on our end is is pretty creditor focused um and so you know most people think that people that haven't paid their bills are just horrible people yeah right Um, because we're taught yeah they don't understand how much life happens life happens it's significantly yeah and how expensive the world is actually yeah and and it's it's are the whole world's designed against us right again and I, i go over this like 50 times a week i feel like right but every company out there 
um, including ours, admittedly, right? We're, we're trying to figure out how to get more clients, right? Because mm-hmm. we run for-profit businesses. The goal is to help more people. There would be a net positive benefit, but that still means that we're trying to get more clients. But now you multiply that by a, a thousand companies out there and you've got big, big, big ones like you know Walmart, big uh, McDonald's and, and Wendy's and all these people. They probably want each consumer to spend $10 more a year, mm-hmm. let alone a month, let alone a day, right? And like... You, you just think about that, man. Yeah, there's whole giant corporations strategizing about how to make you spend more money. <laughs> this is just it, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, what color do we put? Like, why Why is a for sale tag yellow? Right? Why? So why are some tags yellow and the price is literally the same? Yeah. Well, because they know that you are more likely to buy that product because that looks like a sale tag. Yeah. Even if it's not. Yeah. Right? Uh, I remember I worked at Giant Tiger for quite a while and we had to face... Um, our products under a certain way, and it was explained to me that there are companies out there that are like behavioral um, uh, purchasing companies that like basically study how people buy things, uh, and these companies produce um, what's called facings, which is how you organize um, items on a shelf to uh, make people buy more. Like that's that's silly, right? I mean, it's it's a net benefit to the consumer because they get the things that they want to buy. But it still means that they're spending more money, which could be a negative. Yeah, but then when you put that into my own business, my office is set up a very particular way. Oh, and, and this is the thing. So is mine. Yeah. Right? Don't get me wrong, right? Every business is out there providing the need to their client, right? Um, and, and, and this is something I, I, I don't want to say I've learned just recently, but you know, if a client wants a service and they buy the service, I think that's a decent service. Now, whether it's an ethical service and all this type of stuff is a whole other thing because I'd argue that the car industry is largely unethical. Um, but the client believes they've got a great deal, right? Um, so, yeah. there's a, Every for-profit company out there is trying to make money. The car industry is funny because it's one of the ones that there's not a lot of buyer remorse, return stuff. It kind of stuck. Yeah, but it's because, yeah, yeah. They yeah. should. They should have. To, yeah. You can't make that same email phone call. I want to return my car. I can't afford this. You know the worst part is you can. Yeah. Up to thirty days after you buy your car. Yeah. In most provinces. Yeah. Right, but nobody knows that. I didn't but, know that. Right, because there's 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 a whole there's a whole like psychology around car manufacturing and selling and all this type of stuff. Right, like. Well, I in my um I consider myself fairly, you know, okay with finances. Sure. Uh, and contracts and all that different stuff and numbers and I was looking at the rates and yeah and I mean I, when I went and bought my truck he gets kept saying do bi weekly it's cheaper do bi weekly it's cheaper they they kept focusing so much on bi weekly lower payment and I am a monthly guy it's just the way my income is so it's just like I was like no I know that's not it's the same like you just actually like no okay next. and then he they kept uh, saying things and then this is what the price is so and then they bring me to the person. Uh, the salesperson says, "Here, here's the person who does the financing. Thank you very much." Left. He literally leaves the building. It's he goes into a, another building. It's such a big game. So then I'm sitting in front of the person, and then she says, "Okay, well, this is this," and I go, "That's more expensive than what he said." So then she picked up the paper and she said, "Go talk to him." And I was like, "Okay, I don't know where he is. Yeah, I know how to find him. I'm a little pissed off. I also have a personality where I'm a little bit of you know, fuck it, whatever." sign it and then i leave mad with my keys sure which is a very bad trade in me (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but um 
I tried very hard to follow along on everything, and I still didn't know exactly what I bought and what was in there. I tried very hard. Yeah, but it's because they they make it that way. Yeah, but right? the, but I'm not saying I'm the I'm the best at it because clearly I'm not. But if I have at least some experience, I don't think anyone's gonna hope. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that that was just something that I thought was kind of that was that was scary a little bit. Yeah, it's just a no because I, I yeah I could picture because. I could sell. I have been in so many situations where I could sell a bad product to a client, and I don't. Yeah. Uh, so I feel bad sometimes when, when with some people because I get it. I get you want it, and you're and they're going to offer it, and you're going to take it. I get it. I think the I think the auto industry doesn't care. Yeah. I think the auto. Well, yeah. they, don't, they don't get paid very much either. No, they, they don't, don't get yeah. paid as much as people think. Well, I'll, I'll, so, so it's a unit. The good ones get paid a lot. Yeah. A lot. What do you mean, like a high end cars? Not even just good salespeople. Not even good salespeople, right? Um, like I'm, I, I'm assuming you, you know, based on the numbers I've seen, the average car salesman's making four to six hundred bucks a car that they sell, right? Um, if you're good, you can sell a lot of cars. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but still, it's, it's still a units game. It is. So you have to not yeah. care. You have to be okay. Cool. Great. You got to get it done in twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, ya, and you got to find the next one, which is. Uh, the problem is, is like it's back on the financial advisor thing. If you actually paid them more, which makes the company less profitable, that's right. If you actually paid them more, then the then the client might actually get a better experience. They might actually get the phone call. They might, you know, get walked through the steps. Totally. When you don't pay people enough, people actually can't afford to put the time into the client, and they have to just sell it, and they have to move on. And they have to move they on. Have, they have families, and this is they have no choice. And they have to, and and they're incentivized to sell the highest commission item because they have to, because that's what makes them the most money for the amount of time that's invested in it, right? Yeah. And, and talking about the the car industry just as a whole, like there's a really big culture of like, if you're not on the lot, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, really unhealthy place to work. And sorry for the auto industry. <laughs> Yeah, sorry guys. Because <laughs> I I know a lot of people in the industry that are I would I would consider good people, right? But uh, you know, the good industry, good people rather doesn't make the industry good. It would if they're all good, but uh, they're not, right? All right, so I think we're about done with time. Yeah, yeah, we can wrap it up. Okay, wrap it up, Dave. Okay, well, thanks for listening to Beers with Dave. You gotta uh, go faster. We you can, gotta get uh, out of here. Watch us on YouTube. Watch us on uh, <laughs> listen, listen, Spotify, uh, iTunes. <laughs> Comes out what Wednesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays audio, Thursdays uh, video, uh, four p.m. Eastern. Yep. So, um, uh, hope you enjoyed it. Please give us some topics. It was fun to have different topics that we didn't come up with. Yep. And uh, nah, that's it. Stay classy, everybody. Cheers. Beers with Dave.